This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A Dadsnet original podcast. Welcome to the Dadsnet podcast. I'm out. That's JK. And today we've got a really fantastic guest because he talks about pub cooking. He does. Pub, I mean, like bringing the pub out of the pub and into your house. What more could you want? Tom Kerridge joins us on the show today. Um, we had an amazing chat with him. Uh, you're going to find out exactly what he thinks about fatherhood. You're going to be uh, finding out how he thinks that a lot of people are just blagging it. Uh, you're going to find out about, <laughs> about rugby. You're gonna, you can also hear from a huge, famous celebrity chef about parenting guilt as well. It's it, it, You get a lot from Tom. And he's such a bloody nice guy. Yeah. He really is. What? Also, I had no idea until this year that he is the brains behind Pub in the Park. Which we talk about. Honestly, yeah. let's let's roll with it. Uh, this is Tom Kerridge on the Dad's Net podcast. So joining us today on the show, um, it's, he's got a brand new cookbook from Britain's best love Michelin starred chef is what it says here. And I couldn't agree more. Tom Kerridge's new cookbook is called Pub Kitchen. Tom, thanks for joining us today on the show. Thank you very much. I, I mean, I'm not sure I'm the best loved Michelin star chef, but I mean, whoever wrote that, I'll take it. Maybe <laughs> I like, I, I reckon, I reckon Michelle Rue would argue about that one. <laughs> well, no, no, you are. And also, you know, we see you on our screens. In fact, I think I saw you, was it on Sunday, were you on Sunday Kitchen the, the other day? Was that, was that the Sunday just gone? Sunday brunch. Yeah. Sunday brunch. Yeah. This Sunday. Yeah. You've got, you've just got that recognizable face, that recognizable voice. And, and, and when I see and hear you, I instantly feel warmth. That's a special thing, Tom. Well, I, yeah, I, well, it's because I, it's pubs. Look. It's because I work in a pub, like not a posh restaurant. I mean, it's a posh pub. Don't get me wrong, but like, <laughs> I, it, there's a th- there's a sense of familiarity that you always need with pubs. You need like hospitality is about it being warm and welcoming, and you know, it's been my career for thirty two years. So, it, you know, it, it's you know, creating environments where people feel comfortable is the most important. So the pub obviously is the inspiration for the book. Now, did you, it's, how do I say this? Certain pubs, you can bring pub food into the home, but obviously the way that you do stuff, and we just said it's, it's a posher version of a pub. Is it, is it more difficult to bring that sort of style of pub food into your own home? Uh, I, no, I don't think so. I think, listen, what we do in the Hand and Flowers, which is the two-star one, is very different to compared to the the other pubs. And you know, it, and, but the one thing that we can do, and 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 it's likewise across all of them, including the Hand and Flowers, is thinking of what is the best way of making a pie 
or the best way of doing a steak or the best way of steak and chips, but actually what's our version of it? Now, it can go from the basic level of cookery of just steak and chips, which we might do in one of the pubs or take it to a whole new level like we do at the Hand of Flowers. So what we try to do when it comes to cookery books and recipes and, and connecting with, um, I suppose, the food-loving general public that don't cook for a living, the idea is to go across, right, here's a few kind of slightly chefy ideas that might make your cooking easier. And just try to make sure that they're dishes that people know, they understand, they're connected, they're fun, they're easy to do but also gets the most out of their ingredients and that's what this cookbook is and that's what most pubs should be and do do and this is totally the inspiration behind the book was there one point where you were you were cooking in the pub and you thought yeah we can we can bring this to page this can this can be done at home was was that the total inspiration for it Actually, it's a 10-year anniversary since the first book. So the first book was called Proper Pub Food. And uh, this is the 11th book, and it's 10 years later, and it's um, Pub Kitchen. And it's a return um, to, uh, I suppose, pub classics. But the way over those 10 years that pub dishes have massively, massively changed, they've adapted and grown and developed. The first pub book was much more, um, I I suppose, uh, steak tartare and roast beef and Yorkshire pudding and braised shins of beef and very simple, solid, homely kind of dishes that you expect from pubs. And now the way what food you expect from pubs is a much more kind of diverse and culturally rich and eclectic mix of dishes that, you know, whether it's Korean-style barbecue, whether it's a Sri Lankan-style prawn curry, whether it's a pulled beef brisket burger, whether it's a, a, a sticky toffee pudding. So all of these dishes now come from around the world, you know, and you get them on pub menus and they're magical. And it's the only... Pubs are really the only place um, in the world where you could have those kind of dishes from from uh, all sorts of different uh, backgrounds, continents, cultures, and sit perfectly happily on a pub menu. And as a guest, you'd order them. You'd have something from Korea, something from Sri Lanka, and then something from the UK. No other restaurant and, and no other cultures would embrace that. And you think it's perfectly normal. You, it's just normal in a pub. And that's really exciting about the British food scene because it means that we haven't got these barriers or parameters that keep us constrained to this is the food we do we're like magpies in this country chefs and you can grab the food from everywhere yeah and and also like we're talking about you know the the (laughs) ultimate sort of pub food along those 10 years of you doing the book did you have a favorite then and has it changed now or have you always had that one favorite pub dish i don't think really it's a dish it's a it's a type, it's a style, it's a warmth, it's an understanding, it's trying to create dishes that um, really make people feel comfortable. I'm, I, I really love slow-cooked things, braises and stews, like shins of beef and that, or slow-cooked shoulders of lamb. And then I think the garnishes or the stuff around it constantly change. You look at supporting British produce across the board, and then you might change with a few different bits and bobs. Like You quite happily like make a Madras-style gravy to go with some lamb, and or, you know, so that you, you just adapt and grow but anything that's slow cooked i'm always a huge fan of yeah well it, it started raining yesterday and we're now in september so as soon as the rain came me and my wife decided that it was time to get the little 
like those sort of ridiculous pumpkin um, ornaments out. So they came out. Only a few. We've, it's a slow start. We haven't gone full on. But we also saw the two slow cookers that were in, in the cupboard. And we have two because my wife's vegan and obviously I, I eat meat. So they're there waiting for us. And there's nothing better than coming home to like a slow cooker meal. It just, it's it's one of those, It's again, it's all back to warmth, isn't it? And And feeling all wintry and snug and nice. Yeah, no, it does. You know, we, we, we're very much defined by four seasons in this country. And uh, I know global warming is kind of changing that and morphing slowly and differently. But at the same point, you know, those seasons have a huge effect on the way our outlook, our, our feelings, our senses, uh, but also on the vegetables and the kind of food that we want to eat. And it, and it's and it, there is something lovely about it's a, it's a little bit dark and depressing when when the clocks go back in October and it makes you feel a bit grumpy and miserable. However, but that is the time that the fires go on in local pubs and you know you start drinking real ale as opposed to cold fizzy lager and you you start having you know Lancashire hot pot as opposed to like a grilled mackerel salad. You know, and but it's nice. It's a nice thing to it's a nice thing to embrace. Obviously, cooking is great and it also encourages family time. I've my kids have got to an age now where we can start sort of experimenting with cooking and getting them you know teaching them stuff do you do you cook with ac or not or do you kind of yeah no we do we 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 do kind of cook and it's always very difficult to understand try and get kids to eat food and get them to encourage to eat vegetables and you know it doesn't matter who the dad is like you still have those same sort of problems as everybody else but at at the same point we you know he is quite lucky that he's surrounded by restaurants and chefs and food and you know at home we'll always cook we'll try and be interested in cooking bits and bobs together but you know the pub and the park festivals are a prime example that he comes along to and he'll come on stage and do a cookery demonstration with us he'll be get involved he'll do some stuff or do some chopping and cooking and throwing some stuff in and be involved in that but i think the biggest thing that we do is Food is such a phenomenal and brilliant kind of um, uh, grounding point for so many different talking areas. You know, you can go through every, every weekend, you know, if I'm out and about with AC, we'll talk about which country do we want to visit for tea. And from that, you can then go to the supermarket and you cook a cuisine in a style from whether it's Greek cuisine, whether it's Mexican, whether it's Chinese, whether it's Japanese, whether it's American style barbecue, whether it's Spanish or Italian. So we can talk about the dishes and through that, we can then choose the ingredients that he can help choose and go through that process. And you then learn a little bit about culture and and countries you can learn about geography and history and you can learn about most importantly it's a good way of getting them to engage with food so you know if people are looking for a tip of how to get kids to eat more is ask them what country do you want to visit for tea that's a great idea that's good inspo that i really really like that that will help a lot of parents trust me i mean just getting them encouraged and stuff how do you find that the sort of work life balance because obviously you're a you know you're a very busy individual and i think that a lot of parents struggle with this this work-life balance how do you deal with it yeah mine is um i I, it's very extreme so uh, i you know my my life i'm out of the door normally by 6 6 30 most mornings um so i miss him before he gets up most mornings and i'm not back uh most evenings until he's gone to bed sometimes Sometimes, sometimes, you know, it might be eight or nine o'clock and I've just missed him or sometimes it's gone midnight and then you've gone up again and, and gone. Um, so our lives, my life is like it's, it's very unstructured, but it's always full. 
So I haven't got like a routine. It's just completely packed all the time with lots of different things, whether it's television, books, um, but most importantly, restaurants and uh, commercial conversations and opening a new space in Chelsea. And uh, like, there's always there's always some sort of like chaotic mayhem that's going on around me um, that everyone else is trying to control, um, which is which works well. But what that means is that I deal I have to deal with a huge amount of parental guilt. I spend a lot of time um, worrying about not seeing him or not being with him or not having those moments. So when we do have time they're always they're almost as extreme as the time that I'm not there so he will be at food festivals you know coming on stage and cooking he will be meeting the bands he will come to England rugby matches when we're cooking at Twickenham he will come and do stuff when we're at Old Trafford he will go to the Formula One when we're doing things this year we were there for the whole of the the British Grand Prix doing stuff for the Williams team um, in their motorhome and you know he he was there for two days hanging out with the Formula One drivers (laughs) going on the racing sims and you know so so he has um, and it's not quite sunk in how fortunate he is or, but as a kid, you know, is, does he see it as fortunate? Do, would you rather just have your dad there reading you a bedtime story? I'm not quite sure. Yeah. But we have these extreme moments of brilliant, but then we might not see each other. For example, this week, uh, next, this week and next week, I'll probably see him two or three days out of the next two weeks because my diary is so stacked. But you go with, you know, it is part and parcel of the life that. I lead, but I do, it, I do struggle with dealing with it on a on a kind of a, a on a on a daily parental guilt level. Yeah, absolutely. And what is the best thing about being a dad? Well, I mean, there's so many great things, aren't there? there, there, there there's amazing stuff um, that's new every day. I love I, I love a challenge, <laughs> and this is probably the biggest one ever. <laughs> like you know, there, there's so many different um, there's so many different points about it that are um uh, extreme and amazing and warming and gentle um but i think the best thing for me is so i grew up a single parent family like my mum and dad split up when i was 11 but before that my dad really wasn't about too much um so i never had a father figure growing up so i haven't got anything really to draw on as into experience of going oh, I wouldn't do it like that or I would do it like they saw my dad did that and that was brilliant and that would, that's how I should be so uh, we're kind of both learning it together like it's the first time he's ever been a son <laughs> and it's like the like it's the first time I've ever been a dad and I haven't got any experience of how I should be doing it so we're kind of growing together we're learning each other uh, and we, we have a we do have a very tight bond me and Ace we're very we're very we, we are very close in um um Beth and uh, my wife and AC have a wonderful um, mother and son relationship, like, you know, warming and heartfelt and kind. And also she's actually the one that's the strictest and the one that, you know, makes sure bedtime is done at a certain time and all his readings done and all that. Whereas I'm much more of a, my world is much more, I think closer is being a mate as well, uh, which is good. You know, we have good life conversations, even though we're seven. But I think, you know, things like the simple things, I try to keep Sunday mornings free, even though like this, that last Sunday was on Sunday brunch, but he loves rugby, he lives for rugby, he's seven years old and he's built like, he's like a silverback gorilla. And he, he like, he absolutely dreams of being like a Premier League rugby player. So I do, I'm a do a bit of dad coaching. So I go to the rugby club, you know, like you have a couple of proper coaches and yeah. then you have a, a group of 
dads that are like classroom assistants are like I'm a I'm a dad coach and he loves that that is a really it's a real connection I love being a part of it I love seeing all the kids grow I love being a part of you know being something that is completely immersed in his world and and yeah I love that on a Sunday morning now are you one of those dads though that can kind of go off a little bit are you a bit you know competitive is he slightly embarrassed sometimes about your behavior or are you you know you keep it no i i i I, you know i it's weird because i kind of use a life skill that i've learned from running restaurants and teams of people and you know there's 250 staff that are a part of our kind of group that we all work together and you know when you're kind of at the top of that group it is about motivation it is about understanding different people as best as you can and trying to get the best out of them in that way so i'm not i'm not like a i'm not like a standard like normal dad that's a bit shouty and screaming on the sideline it's like i want people to do well i want them all to do well so so you try and work with them all lots of fist bumping lots of high-fiving lots of well done and you know we'll, we'll wait and see when they get into proper competitive games i mean to be honest he absolutely loses his shit more than i do like he gets angry he get he gets angrier with the other with his teammates more than I do. Like he like he you know he get he get he gets wound up. He's got he's quite a, he's got a slightly fiery temperament, which is which I like. I mean, I kind of half <laughs> kind of embrace it and encourage it. Did you play rugby as a kid? Yeah, I'm from Gloucester, so I played. I mean, from Gloucester, I mean, I broke the mold. You're either going to be a rugby player or a builder. So I've done all right, actually. You know, yeah, it's like a, <laughs> but it's like. But yeah, I played quite a bit um, at a relative level. I mean, in Gloucester, it's um, you know, it's the it is the sport, so all the clubs are pretty good. So I played, I played at club level up to the, about the age of I suppose eighteen till I went into a kitchen, and then and then it all fades away because you can't train in the evening and you don't do you can't work weekend you got to work weekends and that. So, if, but my best mate went on to play professionally for Gloucester and England. So, I, like, I'm a big rugby fan and love it. And you know, it's uh, yeah. I, if AC wanted to do it and that's where he wants to go, he talks about it now. If that's what he wants to do, then I'm 100 percent behind it. That's what I love about the father son bond as well, especially if you bond over something that you both you know absolutely adore. And I can I, I remember I'm I'm t- almost 50 now I'm 48 and my knees knackered I played a lot of football a lot of hockey but I tell you what I really really miss and you'll see Ace doing this now is that camaraderie that sense of being a team I really really miss that the drinks in the pub after the banter the taking the piss and and he's about to experience all of that I mean that's quite that's a lovely thing yeah and there is something special he's got a load of mates and I I mean I'm not want to decide what's best for him and what's it like he's very I'm very happy for him to choose whatever he wants to do but there is a bit of a difference I think between um football and rugby on on a weekend and a kid's level like that you know the rugby is at a rugby club where afterwards you know they'll train for an hour on a Sunday hour and a half and run around but then they can spend three hours all hanging around the club having a laugh and just being mates and that kind of that that relationship bonding that happens he used to play football a bit but he just got fed up of it it's not his sport it's not his thing but they would do training and then they would all get in their cars and go home and it was there was no there was no kind of club building atmosphere and I'm sure there is as you get further and older down the line but it didn't seem to it's so rugby there's a there's a there's a social side and a com, kind of a a, a I kind of I, I think a self-respect and a respect for each other but I also think that comes away because of the way that the sport is because it is yeah. so gladiatorial and physical that if you're 
absolutely hammering each other in a physical manner that that cannot be off the pitch either. There has to be a, a sense of respect for each other. And I think that's driven from a young age. So it doesn't become this testosterone fueled fighting. It becomes just a really good physical contest. The other thing that he loves is jujitsu. Oh, wow. So he does jujitsu two days a week as well. So he's all, so he's all about wrestling and rolling and that kind of commanding, but that also demands an awful amount of respect for your opponent and each other. And so I, I, I think there's a there's a lot of that that comes from those two sports that I think you then gain respect for each other and yeah as they build and become teammates as they keep getting older and slightly you know becoming more competitive that that, that I, I think that will have to come into the forefront won't it and I think this also now revolves around this is going back to the start of the conversation that we were having and that that teamwork that camaraderie you know all that all that sort of stuff sometimes then goes back to the pub doesn't it? I remember being, we used to go to like the Royal Oak and we used to go to the Crown in, in, in Worcestershire where I'm from. And that's where we all head back to and we'd have some food there or like there'd be a big plate of chips on the bar and some little sausages and things like that. And it all comes back round. Yeah. I, yeah. And it's really important. And I think the other thing that I think is really good is about playing a sport that isn't necessarily within school is you meeting different people that aren't your schoolmates. You create different friendships that aren't the people that you're spending all day hanging around with in your classroom. You know, you're meeting somebody that you might only see on a Sunday, mm. but you bec- you bond with different children in a different way. And I think that's another thing that's really important for out of school activity that doesn't involve just your school friends. And can we have one sort of parenting hell story? You know, where where has parenting gone wrong for you? Any stories that spring to mind? I mean, there was a there is a horrific, um, horrible, like worst nightmare nappy explosion story in a in a Starbucks disabled toilet, which was the only one that was working on the day that um, when he was much younger and still in nappies, like quite a young baby. It was we. It, when it, it obviously the nappy needed changing and we got into Starbucks, but the, the, um, the nappy changing, uh, shelf had broken. So oh. I had to do it on the floor. And as I took the nappy, I like, it was the worst mess ever. And at that point he kicked that it, like he was on his back, he kicked the nappy and it <laughs> went everywhere all over the wall. So then as I, so then as I was cleaning that up, he then had another explosion, <laughs> but was not wearing a nappy, which was just like, there's a, and then there's a knock on the door because it's the only toilet that's working oh. and there's someone desperate to go to the toilet and they're going, how long are you going to be? I'm going, I'm really sorry. We, I, like, I'm, not, I, I, I'm just clearing it. I, I like, and it sounds really bad because they don't know you're in there with a baby. And it's like, and then, <laughs> and then once I finally got to clear it, which took ages, started to put cream on his bottom. Then he kicked the cream everywhere and squirted that. Like it was just this, <laughs> it was one disaster after another. I was probably, I was probably in the toilet for about 25 minutes. It was all, it looked like, it looked like by the end of it, do you remember train spotting? Do you remember yes, the toilets yes. in train spotting? It kind of, yeah, it, it ended up looking like that. And I, I had to apologize in style. It was just the worst. And the person that obviously needed to go to the toilet had to give up in the end and probably let, they probably oh. wet themselves. It was just, it was just like one of those mornings. It was just like, the word and I do remind him about this actually on a weekly basis it's quite fun like he's he's so fed up of hearing the story (laughs) in front of his rugby mates always remember that and and, and also when he gets married that that story needs to be retold yeah yeah Um, okay let's go from nappy explosions to uh, to a bit more showbiz now you, you obviously know a lot of famous people you're very much respected so it means you must be in a few whatsapp groups now so come on let's do a bit of name dropping when it comes to the whatsapp groups have you got any 
no, I'm not. I, I'm not actually on WhatsApp. My uh, life is so busy that I don't get involved in WhatsApp groups. So I'm not. It's not my thing. I have. If anybody, lots of the people have my numbers, they can text me or email me. But there's no, I'm not involved in a WhatsApp group because there's, you know, there's five or six different restaurants. There's an event company. There's a festival business. There's a TV production company. And if we're in the middle of filming three TV shows right now, so a WhatsApp group for each. My is just like I'm out. I've already left the conversation before I've started. So, no, I'm not in a celebrity WhatsApp group uh, at all. No. That's a good thing because you don't want to be that person that, you know, Tom Kerridge has just left the WhatsApp group. It's one of the most embarrassing things. You've got to do it. You almost got to go press. I've got to do it. Got to do it. I'm going. I'm going. I'm gone. It's one of the most embarrassing things. Yeah. Best thing to do. Um, Right. Well, let's let let, one one more question I really want to ask. And I think this is always a, a good question to ask. To, uh, you know, as to where you are now, what advice would the current you give your younger self if you could? Do you know, I would do it all again. There isn't a single thing that I would change. Like there isn't, there isn't anything. I think I, I, even the things that you get wrong, or they're all. I think probably the most important. There's a couple of really important lessons I've learned now. Like I'm 50 and I look back at it and you go, there is no such thing as a mistake, right? None of it. None of it is a mistake. It's a a learning curve. And as long as you learn, there's nothing wrong with getting things wrong, right? You get things wrong, learn from it, front up, own, own decisions, right? And so if they are wrong, remind yourself, like own up. Don't I like I hate dishonesty, I hate lying, I hate trying to skirt around solving the problem by not telling the own up. Like you can disarm situations by just telling the truth. Go like this is it. So that's you know, those are the sort of things that I would constantly tell myself or remi- remind myself at. And then the next thing is that actually none of it matters. Like it's not really that important. I kind of realise now as you get older that everybody is blagging it. We're all making it up as we go along. There isn't there isn't some definitive route to where you should be, you know, and what's going on and what's happening. It's just all a blag. So it's not that important. Just as long as you just keep work hard, be nice, there you go. It's not hard, is it? It really isn't. No. It really no. isn't. And what I have noticed as well, I, I work in the radio industry and uh, you, I'm now seeing people that, that were down below that were probably, you know, apprentices or they were broadcast assistants and now they're becoming bosses. So I think to myself, thank the Lord that I was actually really nice to those guys because they're the ones now that are in charge. And I think that's such a valuable lesson. I really do. Yeah. Work hard, be nice. You can tell a lot about somebody by the way that they talk to waiting staff and bar staff. And it doesn't matter if it's a local pub or a posh restaurant. If they talk to people in a subservient way, they're not your friends. Change your friends. There you go. Have you got a dad joke to leave us with? I have got a dad joke to leave you with. It's it's so bad as well. <laughs> like I mean, it's it, it's. Uh, <laughs> are you ready? I'm ready. It's slightly food related. Good. Okay. So my girlfriend broke up with me when she found out that I only had nine toes. She was lactose intolerant. <laughs> no, that's good. That's good. <laughs> oh yeah, I was trying to think of a food-related one, and I can only remember the what? What is it? How do you turn a duck into a soul singer? Do you know that one? No. Stick it in the oven till it's Bill Withers. <laughs> <laughs> 
That is pretty bad. Yeah. That- <laughs> I'm, I'm a dad, it's allowed. <laughs> yeah, that is very true. Thank you. Uh, Tom, thank you so much for chatting to us. Um, and is the, the cookbook Pub Kitchen, is that out now? That is out now, yeah. Book's out now. And uh, good luck as well. So Pub in the Park, obviously, we've done this year. Uh, it's all happening next year. We will. We'll be doing. We'll be back again next year. Definitely Marlowe, St Albans, and Chiswick, uh, and then the rest to be confirmed. Okay. And um, can we get tickets at a website, or do, how does that one work? Uh, it'll be pubintheparkuk.com. Have a look at that. But there won't be anything announced. There won't be any pre-sales just yet. Okay. Brilliant. Tom Carriage, thank you so so much for chatting to us. I've I've loved every minute. You've been fantastic. Thank you so much. Cheers, Chief. There you have it, Tom Kerridge on the Dad's Net podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe, download, like, share. Uh, what else can you do? Comment, review, rate, uh, all of that. Please, it's a massive help. Uh, and don't forget to tell your friends to come and listen to Dad's Net podcast. Have a good week. A Dad's Net original podcast. <laughs>